Hi, this is Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, our last episode of The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs. I have sometimes made use of a very notable place in Peter concerning Sarah. Sarah had a speech to her husband in Genesis 18:12. She called her husband Lord. There was only that one good word in a bad, unbelieving speech. But yet, when the apostle mentions that speech in 1 Peter 3:6, the Holy Ghost leaves all the bad and commends her for calling her husband Lord for putting a reverent title upon her husband. Thus how graciously God deals with us. If there is but one good word among a great many ill, what an interpretation God makes. So should we do. If there's only one good interpretation that we can make of a thing, we should rather make use of the good one than the bad. Oh, my brethren, I would I could now speak only to such as are godly. Retain good thoughts of God. Take heed of judging God to be a hard master. Make good interpretations of his ways, and that is a special means to help you to contentment in all one's course. Number 11. Do not so much regard the fancies of other men as what indeed you feel yourselves. For the reason of our discontentment many times is rather from the fancies of other men than from what we find we lack ourselves. We think poverty to be such a great evil. Why? Because it is so esteemed by others rather than that people feel it so themselves, unless they are in an extremity of poverty, I will give you a clear demonstration that almost all the discontent in the world is rather from the fancies of others than from the evil that is on themselves. You may think your wealth to be small, and you are thereupon discontented, and it is a grievous affliction to you. But if all men in the world were poorer than you, then you would not be discontented. Then you would rejoice in your estates, though you had not a penny more than you have. Take a man who can get but his 12 pence a day, and you will say, This is but a poor thing to maintain a family. But suppose there were no man in the world that had more than this, yea, that all other men but yourselves had somewhat less wages than you. Then you would think your condition pretty good. You would have no more then than you have now. Therefore, it appears by this that it is rather from the fancies of other men that what you feel that makes you think your condition to be so grievous. For if all the men in the world looked upon you as happy more happy than themselves, then you would be contented. 
Oh, do not let your happiness depend upon the fancies of other men. There is a saying of Chrysostom, I remember in this very case. Let us not make the people in this case to be our lords, as we must not make men to be the lords of our faith, so not the lords of our comforts, that is. Our comfort should not depend more upon their imaginations than upon what we feel in ourselves. It may be, others think you to be in an afflicted condition. Yea, but I thank God for myself. I do not so apprehend it. Were it not for the disgrace, disregard, and slightings of other men, my condition would not be so bad to me as it is now. This is what makes my condition afflictive. Number 12. Be not inordinately taken up with the comforts of this world when you have them. When you have them, do not take too much satisfaction in them. It is a certain rule. However inordinate any man or woman is in sorrow when a comfort is taken from them, so were they immoderate in their rejoicing in the comfort when they had it. For instance, God takes away a child and you are inordinately sorrowful beyond what God allows in a natural or Christian way. Now, though I never knew before how your heart was towards the child, yet when I see this, though you are a mere stranger to me, I may without breach of charity conclude that your heart was immoderately set upon your child or husband or upon any other comfort that I see you grieving for when God has taken it away. If you hear ill tidings about your estates and your hearts are dejected immoderately and you are in a discontented mood because of such and such a cross, certainly your hearts were immoderately set upon the world. So likewise for your reputation. If you hear others report this or that ill of you, and your hearts are dejected because you think you suffer in your name. Your hearts were inordinately set upon your name and reputation. Now, therefore, the way for you not to be immoderate in your sorrow for afflictions is not to be immoderate in your love and delights when you have prosperity. These are the principal directions for our help that we may live quiet and contented lives. My brethren, to conclude this point, if I were to tell you that I could show you a way never to be in want of anything, I do not doubt but then we should have much flocking to such a sermon when a man should undertake to manifest to people how they should never be in want any more but what I have been preaching to you now comes to as much. It counterfails this and is, in effect, all one. Is it not almost all one, never to be in want or never to be without contentment? That man or woman who is never without a contented spirit truly can never be said to want much. 
Oh, the word holds forth a way full of comfort and peace to the people of God, even in this world. You may live happy lives in the midst of all the storms and tempests in the world. There is an ark that you may come into, and no man in the world may live such comfortable, cheerful, and contented lives as the saints of God. Oh, that we had learned this lesson. I have spent many sermons over this lesson of contentment, but I am afraid that you will be longer in learning it than I have been preaching of it. It is a harder thing to learn it than it is to preach or speak of it. I remember I have read of one man reading of that place in the 39th Psalm. I will take heed that I offend not with my tongue. He said, I have been these 38 years learning this lesson and have not learned it thoroughly. The truth is, there are many, I am afraid, who have been professors near eight and thirty years who have hardly learned this lesson. It would be a good lesson for young professors to begin to learn this early. But this lesson of Christian contentment is as hard, and perhaps you may be many years learning it. I am afraid there are some Christians who have not yet learned not to offend grossly with their tongues. The scripture says that all a man's religion is vain if he cannot bridle his tongue. Therefore, one would think that those who make any profession of godliness should quickly learn this lesson. Such a lesson that, unless learned, makes all their religion vain. But this lesson of Christian contentment may take more time to learn, and there are many who are learning it all the days of their lives and yet are not proficient. But God forbid that it should be said of any of us concerning this lesson, as the apostle says of widows in Timothy, that they were ever learning and never came to the knowledge of the truth. Oh, let us not be ever learning this lesson of contentment and yet not come to have skill in it. You would think it much if you had been at sea 20 years and yet had attained to no skill in your art of navigation. You will say, I have used the sea 20 or 30 years and I hope I may know by this time what concerns the sea. Oh, that you would but say so in respect of the art of Christianity. <coughs> when anything is spoken concerning the duty of a Christian, oh, that Christians could but say, I have been a Christian so long, and I hope I am not wanting in a thing that is so necessary for a Christian. Here is a necessary lesson for a Christian that Paul said he had learned in all estates therewith to be content. Oh, do not be content with yourselves till you have learned this lesson of Christian contentment and have obtained some better skill in it than heretofore. 
Now there is in the text another lesson, which is a hard lesson. I have learned to abound. That does not so nearly concern us at this time, because the times are afflictive times, and there is now, more than ordinarily, an uncertainty in all things in the world. In such times as these are, there are few who have such an abundance that they need to be much taught in that lesson. So ends The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs, a great Puritan classic. Our next episode will be uh, season eight, and it will be the biography of David Brainerd, written by esteemed American Puritan Jonathan Edwards. It'll be our first biography on this podcast, so I look forward to reading that when I record the next episode. This concludes episode 49 of Jeremiah Burroughs' The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. <laughs>